Hello everyone, this is Shweb Khan here, your host at Anti-Small Talk, and today is the first of our series entitled Conversations About Inequality. We're providing a very much an intersectional design, looking at inequalities on the basis of social class, age, gender, race, ethnicity, religion, disability. The list is absolutely endless. Our aim of this podcast and of this series is to liberate people with authentic energy and provide a platform for authentic voices. Today I'm absolutely delighted to announce that our guest, our first guest, is the wonderful Sharifa Lee. Hello Sharifa and welcome to Antis. Hello Shuaib and how are you this morning? I'm absolutely fine, how are you? I'm absolutely fine, thank you. Now, if anyone can hear any noises in the background, number one, it is the dishwasher because I'm in the kitchen. And number two, I have got my garden doors wide open because of the oppressive heat. Um, the air is so still. I've just had a friend somewhere in the north who said, you know, that it's cooler up there. Well, it is not cool down in the south. Um, yeah, so I'm fine. I'm absolutely fine. And uh, I am just delighted to be your first guest. I can't tell you how delighted I am. So thank you. Oh, it's a real pleasure to have you. And if those of you are listening, I've followed Sharifa for a sustained period of time now, but I think the current epoch and social events and tr trends that are going on right now has really pushed this conversation to the very, you know, very uh, pushed this conversation very, very much forward on my agenda because we need to be having these conversations. And we always talk about, you know, it, it, our responsibility as educators. And I really like how sh yourself and many others have really pushed the idea of taking it upon ourselves, taking control of a narrative and really pushing to get to gain some sort of e equality in society again, because it's important. It's absolutely imperative. So really delighted to have you. Oh, thank you. I think it is imperative. I think to tell the truth for a lot of us, mm. um, perhaps you haven't mentioned them as well. It's always it's always been there deep in our gut that something's mm. not right, but we work in isolation. And I think what's happened is we are now faced with a global crisis. Of course, it's a pandemic, but a crisis that has been there for generations. And I think, of course, we all know, you know, the murder of George Floyd brought it to the forefront. And because we have the opportunity now to really connect, and this is where some Sometimes in adversity, in, in darkness, there is a light, you know, it's connected all of us together. Um, yeah. And the time is right. The time is now. Um, yeah. So away we go. Absolutely. And even yesterday, I'm almost certain you must have caught the news where the Metropolitan Police have said they've basically said the Stephen Lawrence murder is they've, they're done. Yeah. They've done all they can. But three out yeah. of five people who killed him are actually still at large. So we have got work to do. And conversations like this will hopefully start, you know, small steps to making society not just equal, but just fair for everyone. Yeah. Um, and we must always remember for every story that is there on the media for us to see will be hundreds mm. that we do not see, mm. you know, that, that we don't hear about as well. And we must always be mindful about that because we are here to really think deep and think clearly now. And again, this is an opportunity. Absolutely. And we talk about uh, inequality as well. We don't just talk about race or gender. We're looking at social class, looking at age, sexuality. We're looking at this wider intersectional approach, which I think is really important because each of these inequalities permeate into one another. For example, you know, you could be a female. You could also be a Muslim. You could be a single parent. These are all in layers of inequality that intersect with one another. So we've got to try and build up a broader picture and really tackle these inequalities, not individually, but together as a whole. Mm, I think I agree with you because a lot of it, there are overlaps. Every single, mm. single one of us is a com complex human being. You must excuse if you can hear that noise in the background. There's a dishwasher that I cannot stop mid-cycle now. Um, but um, 
what was I going to say? Yes, and, and you're absolutely right, you know, and it, it does overlap. And, and you've actually touched on something um, close to my heart, you know, being, being um, you know, a person from ethnic minority, mm. uh, not only am I a woman in education as well, um, where I come from, my birth and my heritage is another layer to add to it. Mm. And one more thing that we always forget, and I have a good friend who helps me not to forget, is also ageism. You mm -hmm. know, ageism is another discrimination that uh, we must always have those different lenses as well and interchange them and merge them because Absolutely. it's a whole spectrum yeah yeah completely it's almost like within our classroom we've got like you me yourself and myself talk about differentiation at one stage we have to dif yeah. differentiate for everyone so we've got people in a classroom who may be completely silent we have people you know in society who don't have a voice i think the lgbtq movement that deserves more recognition and more voice we need to be pushing these ideas forward to really support all of our learners because we're all learning aren't we it's every, everything's a learning uh, process uh, and a learning curve for all of us so we're going to learn together uh, collaboratively and learn from one another i think which is really important Mm, I agree with you. Um, you know, there's nothing there that I disagree. So like I said, um, what what's happened as well since you've invited me, we have had so many questions and conversations, not only between ourselves, but amongst so many. And there's so many people who have asked both you and I personally mm -hmm. some really interesting and important questions. And I think one thing that I've noticed when they've asked these questions, questions as well, that a lot of them have asked for anonymity. Yes. All of them have said, please don't use my name in these questions. And I'm thinking, thinking that that speaks for itself you know the very fact that we don't feel as if we have a voice and that's why you're giving me a voice and thank you so much I become a channel for others hopefully mm. um, you know that they don't feel as if they can bring this to a forefront and for some of them these are personal experiences and I'm not only talking about um, educators of color I'm also talking about white educators who feel who feel uncomfortable talking about it and I think we need to feel uncomfortable but that must never stop us from talking about this never we tell that to children in our classroom we need Need to talk to ourselves about it absolutely and i think the most important thing is whenever we refer to any any layer of inequality any conversation that we have we have got a platform we have got some element of privilege i for example i'm muslim male but i'm a male i've got male privileges if I was to go back home to Kashmir, I'm a Sunni, so I've got the privileges there as well. I also grew up in Britain. So our privileges, we don't even realise they exist. But our platforms that we've got, we can actually shine a light on other people and support others by giving them a voice and giving them a platform. So any opportunity to share a platform with someone who's willing to, uh, not necessarily change, but reflect on their own experiences, is absolutely imperative. It's about being inclusive. We can't exclude anybody from the dialogue. If we include as many people as we can in an off-the-cuff forum we will settle problems we will uh, overcome stereotypes and really we'll kind of look at more similarities and differences i think human beings we don't we fail to look at that at times i think we've got more similarities and differences once we start looking at our similarities we we'll begin to stop arguing and start collaborating Mm. Yeah, uh, you're, you're right. And also, I'm going to go one further. We also need to look at those differences because because of those differences, we are not equal yet. Mm. Uh, you and I in, in this society are not equal yet because you are a male and I'm a female. Again, there is also that ageism as well. So I think you're right. We need to look beyond those differences, but we also need to look at those differences and yeah. be brave enough and courageous enough to, to talk about them as well. You know, uh, one of your questions yesterday, because of course, for any podcast you make, there's a preparation for it you know mm. we had a conversation
conversation yesterday as well. And you asked me a really interesting question about um, my influences and role models. Well, they are everywhere around me, um, you know. And in fact, what I did today was because you are one of them, by the way, oh, you are a role model. You. Because because what I hear in your voice and also through our conversations, you've had a journey yourself, a journey of personal growth and discovery about who you are and what you stand for. And uh, all I did was Google. All I did was go on Wikipedia and and looked at your name, you know, and I'm sure you know what your name stands for, what it means in Arabic. It's someone who shows the right path. And for those who are, you know, who do not have any Muslim background um, and you do have some biblical knowledge, your name is, is akin to Jethro, basically. So in, in the Bible, um, it is about um, Jethro that is your namesake you know and it's in your name that you are someone who shows the right path so you are right using your platform to deliver very authentic messages as i think now a must it will be your responsibility mm. <laughs> i think i was very very fortunate growing up where uh, we grew up in a household where it was like the 80s our grandfather raised us very very well and he always said you know if there's something wrong just call it out. I think he used a bit more explicit language uh, in Punjabi. That he used to <laughs> Something very... that probably you might not be able to quote in this no, podcast. No, yes? no, I don't think he's quite allowed to, to repeat the things he said. But from, from, a, from a bloke who, who had no, uh, no written, couldn't write or read, he's very illiterate, the wisdom he had and experience, I think, made up for it. And I remember from very early, he was saying to me, oh, Shweb, son, make sure you read and write, because I haven't got the opportunity to express myself clearly, but you will have that platform. And, you know, we're, we're 28, 28 years on from, you know, from, from the day we were born. So it's incredible to think that the, the platform's available now and I've got to use it properly. And not just for namesake, but also to really, um, really just represent his message, if anything. And we, we, we carry the weight of what we hear and what we see. So my experience and what I've seen, I have to reflect them in my day to day language and my data interactions with others. But the whole realigning process of my values. Yeah. It has been really important, but that's come from speaking to people like yourself, conversations with Emma Kell, the list can go Oh, on. hang on, I, you, you've, t you've stolen my thunder there because oh, I was sorry. talking about, so I was about to talk about some of the role models as well. I had a really um, interesting conversation with a colleague, this is a couple of months ago, you know, and we're talking about leadership. And he actually said, Sharifa, it's not just about being role models, which we all need. They might be historical, they might be from a deep in the historical past, but we also need real models. Mm. And that is R-E-A-L, real models. And, and you've touched on one, one of my heroes really is Emma Kell and to tell the truth I heard both of you when you did the um, webinar was it a webinar it was, it was the um, um, Bucks NTLD day and uh, oh she just came across and, and I, I knew her sort of weeks and months before that as well um, because we started talking but she came across as so genuine and I know she's genuine because mm. we've had further conversations as well authentic wanting to learn open-minded and she walks the talk she really does um, you know and others um, I've got Dr Valerie who is just amazing yeah, she will be on Bruhead. yeah she will be on Bruhead on sunday at 10 o'clock so if oh, anyone wow. has an opportunity to, to you know watch and listen to her that's mm. the time hannah wilson is also on nearly every sunday with with what she's doing now and she's another one as well that mm. amplifies the voice of others mm. she uses her platform to amplify all the others it's so easy 
to be what I think you wrote about, I won't touch on that, you know, um, um, and uh, a celebrity, uh, you know, someone who just amplifies themselves over mm. and over again and has an echo chamber around them. But Hannah Wilson is different. And another person that has done that over lockdown as well is Arv. And I don't know whether you know Arv, Arv Kaushal. And um, he worked with the Chilton Trust and on, on nearly every single day during the lockdown period, they had CPD mm. on a range of, of um, you know, a range of, of um, topics and issues and he he wasn't afraid as well to put on something on Black Lives Matter and diversity and that was one of the most powerful ones I attended and I must talk about one more hero and that's Paul Miller oh, and yes. I've, yes. Yeah, I, I'm, I've started some work with him on, on a different group on, on anti-racism mm. and uh, I told you yesterday number one it's that um, Caribbean accent that yes, oh my charm, goodness the charm. yes yes oh, Oh my word, I could just listen to him and just, um, sorry Paul, fall in love with just a voice, you know, it, 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 nothing else, really platonic, mm -hmm. and, uh, but it's his messages and it's someone who has gone through so much but with so much knowledge mm -hmm. and so much learning behind him as well that, you know, he is another one of, of I think, who could be very influential in education. Absolutely. And you're right. The, the role models are around us. I grew up, uh, I was very fortunate. I had my granddad, God bless him. And I also grew up reading Malcolm X. But in the past few years, my time in education as a teacher, this is my fourth year of teaching. I'm very, the role models, Emma, Emma Kell's been up there, Alison Creel. These people are willing to have conversations that just really matter and they really touch your heart. And I think when, as soon as the Black Lives Matter movement it began, it's began its, you know, real uh, development phase in the past couple of months, we've got to realize that there are George Floyds everywhere. And the fact mm -hmm. that we are now focusing on this issue of Black Lives Matter, we know we're not going to get huge governmental change and you know, radical overhaul in politics. The change has to come with ourselves looking in the mirror and challenging those biases that face us every single day. And people like Emma, Alison, Paul, Hannah, the list goes on. These people are wonderful in helping us challenge those biases mm -hmm. in the most... Uh, with, with such integrity in such a holistic and loving way, a guiding hand, not a forceful push, which I refer to as. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right, and I think hopefully we'll have some time uh, because we are limited by time to mm. actually talk about some of the solutions. And you're right. What you've just touched on is about personal growth and personal journeys mm. and influencing the people around you. But I think where this issue is concerned, this issue, the issues of inequality and racism being really high on the agenda in fact it is i would say that that is the inequality that needs to be dismantled first um, and then the rest will come as well but there must be a strategy because what unfortunately what happens on a global context and, and also on a national context is we react mm -hmm. and sometimes reactions are needed because it's an emergency we have to react to something but what is lacking is response and responsibility mm -hmm. accountability mm -hmm. you know and within that response must be a strategy and the strategy must start from the top we're talking about national policies here you know and mm. also from the bottom because what you've just touched on is more of the grassroots yes. and that is important because you know the power of the grassroots we know that when we look at international um, revolutions and rebellions for the force of good it's mainly come from the grassroots yes Absolutely. and as educators in schools we are that powerful grassroots we may not see it because when we are working within our own classroom and we feel bound by delivering and delivering and delivering a curriculum that we can have this talk about a curriculum for another day you mm -hmm. know um, 
we, we are limiting ourselves. What we need is what we're doing now, collaborate, come together mm. and use that voice together, you know? So from top down, bottom up and round the sides, I think there needs to be a response. There needs to be a strategy. Absolutely. And when we talk about collaboration, we're talking about collaborative, you know, healing, healing together as a humanity and trying to force, create some sort of vehicle of change. And it has to come together. We can't do it separate, separately. It can't mm. be an isolated peripheral event. This has to be a, a, a holistic thing educators do together to try and change the fabric of society to create more opportunities for everyone and not only that, diversity enriches society, whether we like it or not, it enriches yeah. every corner of society. The fact that we're preparing children for the wider world and its diversity is absolutely imperative. So I think you're absolutely Shui, correct. Can I, can I just touch on something? I think you, you've said there healing, you know, and I, I love that word healing because there's well, been a lot of... I'm a very good friend and she's listening to <laughs> who she is. So uh, <laughs> shout, shout out well, I, that, yeah. I, I hope a lot of our friends and perhaps those mm. that will be our friends and those who are not our friends, it really doesn't matter. I'm happy to speak to anyone about this because, mm. uh, you know, it comes from the gut, what I'm trying to say as well. But what, when you touch about healing, people must be able to see the wounds. Mm. If you do not acknowledge the wounds, you can't see it you can't heal it mm. um you know to be to be a doctor you must diagnose what what the issues are but if you can't see the issues mm. you know you will you will keep becoming you can you will keep being blind and deaf to it and so when you talk about those communal healings i think our job now is to ensure that others understand where the wounds are you know where the hurt is mm. um and it's only when you accept that there's been hurt and there's not just a you know a one-off hurt we're talking about a daily hurt mm. um inequality in all its various forms so for myself being a woman the inequality of perhaps not being where I could and should be because of my gender that's a hurt mm. and that's just not a one-off hurt that's a hurt that happens every mm. single day for years and that's just about gender so when you talk about racism when you talk about uh, discrimination because you are from a disadvantaged background because of poverty or economic deprivation that's a daily lived in experience so you cannot just dismiss and diminish that hurt you must actually face it and acknowledge it absolutely before you can even move on absolutely my, my granddad used to refer to it as generational grief and he said to me Shweb, you're going to feel that generational grief one day but the opportunity will be there for you to challenge that generational grief so the grief is not going to go away it's still the elephant in the room but we referred to the elephant in the room yesterday as well when we had a conversation and we need a stampede we need to wake the elephant up and start really shaking things up to get people rigorously reflecting on their practice and acknowledging that race does exist. It's almost mm -hmm. like saying, uh, you know, ageism doesn't exist. If we talk about, you know, color blindness, for example, as an idea, I find the whole idea bizarre and balmy personally. The fact that, you know, I don't see color. Um, it, it does exist, whether we like it or not, whatever, you know, veneer or, you know, lens we look at it through. In a room full of people, I'll always feel Asian. I will always feel like a Muslim. It's not something I deliberately have done. It's just an implicit bias that's been reflected on me since I was a child. Mm. So. We, again, we need to be looking at, we need to ask ourselves honest questions and really reflect on how we can move forward as a humanity. Yeah, I think you've touched on something then. I think this was a question by a very good friend of mine as well, you know, where what is the one thing that a white person working in a role of influence can do for anti-racism? And, and I sort of know this wonderful person's journey as well. And you've touched on something because uh, this person began with, you know, well, I don't get it because I don't see colour. And we had um, conversations, deep ones as well, uh, to say that for me as a person of ethnic minority background, and we can, we can talk about, um, you know, terms and labels later on as well, 
well as a person of color i'm disappointed when someone says you don't see my color because my color my color has stopped me from being where i should be hmm. my color has disempowered me my color has discriminated against me and when you say you don't see color and i understand what she and a few of my friends mean what they're trying to say is you know we take you as who you are then you must see the whole of me what makes Absolutely. me me and it's the same thing as as uh, dismissing me uh, for being uh, a woman by if yeah. you are a male educator on a leadership team and you say you know oh sharifa i don't see gender and i would honestly give you a look and say how dare you the reason why i am not further on is because of my gender and it's the same thing with people with disabilities um you know we talk about inequality my goodness we could talk about this for days because again the overlaps and and everything else what we cannot do is diminish the experience of our bame um you know educators our bame leaders our bame pupils and their families uh, because the color of their skin has disempowered them you know it hurts and I think being a white educator, and when I say white, and I know some people, you know, feel uncomfortable with that, there is no better term for it right now. And we must understand the historical context of slavery because it was a white uh, Western uh, colonization, you mm -hmm. know, and white Western, um, you know, sort of. Um, in, well enslavement really and that's mm -hmm. why we have to use that term you know uh, you must understand that it, it hurts you know it hurts and but this is not your hurt as a white mm -hmm. person you know this is not about you you might feel uncomfortable you might feel oh my goodness me uh, but i think you need to almost take it in um you need to read you need to do your own research you need to armor yourself with knowledge you need to listen without judgment hear the stories of your friends and your colleagues you know they will not be making anything up and I'll tell you why people don't make it up because it's their lived experiences. You can't dismiss someone's story. And I'll give you an example. If this was a safeguarding issue, would you dismiss what a child tells you? Would you say, no, you're wrong? No, that can't be. If someone is being neglected and they're being abused as an educator, would you dismiss them? You know, there are actually policies to say that you are not allowed to dismiss them. You must be totally non-judgmental and accept their story. This is where we are now. And once you've accepted it, armor yourself with the knowledge so that you can help them get to where they need to be, to be at the same position as you. You know, Absolutely. you're going to get it wrong. Absolutely. You're going to get it wrong sometimes. I get it wrong all the time. Mm. But it's not about you as the individual. Mm. Absolutely. And I remember not too long ago, I wrote a blog called White Noise and why white people are unwilling to talk about race and racism. I think us as uh, 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 the black and ethnic minority community, the BAME community, we can actually be a guiding hand. And this is not to suggest that I'm a spokesperson for all BAME issues. But I think if we ourselves, like myself and yourself, I think we're open to questions. We, we like people being curious. I think once we become dismissive, not saying that we are, but once we become dismissive of our white colleagues and, and, and they kind of become more emotionally distant from us, but we should be pulling yeah. it back and creating a bit more well, cohesion between them. It's called self-defense. It's mm. called self-defense, isn't it? And we're here to almost break down those barriers, not create more, you know, and, and I think we also as BAME educators and I, you know, and, and um, I have myself, I have a problem with that. I don't know where I fit in that BAME um, spectrum myself, because if you look at the color of my skin and you look at my heritage, I'm thinking, oh, I don't know whether I fit between the, the A and the M, you know, <laughs> you know, and so there's a spectrum and it, there is there, there are problems with these terms and labels. But for now, they are good enough for us to be able to express ourselves and have conversations, mm, um, you know, and yeah. 
And Sharif, if you look at it, I'm sort of myself a light-skinned uh, Muslim male, 28, uh, speak with a, with a Cambridgeshire accent. People have often said to me, oh, Shweb, you're not Asian enough or you're not BAME enough. People have said that to me. And I think to myself, I'm, on the, I'm in, the, in the category, but does the category perhaps even need further broadening to fit and cater for everyone? But like you said, lived experience is absolutely everything. You know, I've been stopped in search, what, 14 times now? Most recent, I think three years ago. So uh, I remember the first time it happened, one of my friends, uh, he, was, he was white and he said, oh, Shweb, don't worry, it's going to happen in your lifetime many more times. And he said it when we were nine, I think. I think we were nine years old when it first, yeah, nine years old when it first happened. So all these years on, it still carries on. And it's something that lives with me and I, I cannot diminish it. I cannot say it doesn't exist. It's a part of my daily life. So yeah. Yeah, completely, uh, completely. And, and like I said, you know, terms and labels are necessary for a conversation, but they are problematic. They always will be. And I'm so sorry that happened to you. And can you imagine how many it happens to so many others as well? And I've heard personal stories from friends where, you know, honestly, my face just crumpled thinking, oh, my goodness, if that happened to you time and time and time again, and now you are in your 50s, and your 60s. And, you know, how do you bear that hurt? How do you carry on? I don't know. Anyway. Uh, we are now, at, um, you know, sort of more than halfway through, and there were a few questions actually that some of our listeners had um, that that I think is is, is quite um, important that we discuss about. Do you have the questions? Or yeah, do, absolutely. So if we go for our first question, Sharifa, uh, actually, I'll, I'll mix and match it slightly. Okay, um, someone uh, sent in a really fantastic question, and they said, "Why do people from BAME backgrounds have to work twice as hard to prove themselves to fit their role or fit a role?" Yeah. Yeah, and that was a good question. And there was a question actually that I linked, that I, I thought linked beautifully to this as well, um, because someone else asked, why is there inequality in recruiting and promoting um, to the exclusion of others? And I think both questions interlink. Um, I'll tell you one thing that is fact, and you know, it is fact, and I don't think anyone can, can even sort of argue with this. There are not enough BAME leaders and head teachers in education. And when you see them, we recognize some of them as being almost larger than life, trailblazers and trailblazers. I, this is great. I mean, you, you've talked about a few of them at the very start as well. This is great, but this is not enough. This mm. must now become the norm, not the exception. Mm. Why must our wonderful BAME leaders and head teachers be trailblazers, having to carry that torch? And, and you know, it should be all of us. And again, it, the, the experience of having BAME leaders, um, you know, should now be the norm. Uh, we find that many leadership teams are made um, of people who just mirror each other, not just in values, but ideas mm. and in stereotypical looks as well. You know, um, I think there's a reason for this. I think it makes, makes, makes people feel safe. There's a uniformity to it. If you look the same, you sound the same, you feel the same, um, then there'll be no disagreements, will there? You know, but is this, yeah, but is this what we need? Is this what we need? Stereotypical teams that may become echo chambers. You know, the teams that are modeled in the image of its leader, maybe typically in some cases, not in all, so I must say, you know, this is exception to rule, white middle-class, mainly male. So how would you even get into such teams if you do not fit that description? How would you even do that? You know, so what, I suggest, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, this is only through me thinking and reading and understanding, instead of creating all these safe teams in, in one particular image, be deliberate, get the balance right, make your teams diverse and ensure it's not tokenistic, you know, um, don't just say I have a black or brown person on the team, so that, that makes it okay, no it doesn't. Um, and one thing that I know I've done over the years, since ever since I've been on, on senior leadership as well, one of the first questions I ask anyone who arrives at interview 
interview or you know when they're in my organization as well is to find out their aspirations mm-hmm. and also find out what's stopping them from aspiring further you know yeah. it's called it, it's called professional development mm-hmm. um and it's an entitlement for everyone in your organization not just the people you agree with it is an entitlement for everyone even the ones that look different from you especially the ones that look different from you mm-hmm. um so what i would say is that BAME educators should not have to work twice as hard i think the rest of us need to work twice as hard to include them because mm-hmm. these are our real models for our children to see to learn to copy to hear from and if they're not there who will our children see, copy and hear from? And uh, We have seen this problem in society. We see this problem perhaps even at government, governmental levels, you know, because you will just copy the people that you constantly see every single day. Mm. Yeah? Absolutely. Yeah. When I used to have teachers who are in senior leadership, when I was a student, I used to see teachers in stu- in senior, or just teachers full stop. We had a barometer to pitch our success. We thought meritocracy exists. It gave us the idea that we're included in British society. It's a small sentiment that really pushed people like myself and a few of my peers to think, yes, we can, Britain is inclusive. We can succeed. We can climb the social ladder. It just gives us that little bit of push just seeing these people in these positions. And the more of them they are, I don't mean a token gesture. I mean, in a real, through real rigorous recruitment, hiring people mm-hmm. based on their skin mm-hmm. abilities rather than their skin color or that the, the form of inequality hiring these people is a cultural socio-cultural uh, trait which organizations need to adopt i totally agree with you yeah yeah completely and and something else well that i just thought about as well you know with this question about why do BAME leaders feel or even know that they have to work twice as hard um you know or they're not yet visible is also again it's partly due to this um historical system that needs dismantling there must be a deliberateness to dismantling this as i think we are still in a eurocentric and it's in a historical sense i'm not talking about brexit or anything else i'm talking about the eurocentric historical historical perspective still that post-colonial hangover because no matter how hard we try and deny this it still exists Mm. so there must be change at the very top to enable the change to filter through Um, something else as well I think is so relevant that there must be a deliberateness in schools to be accountable for this Uh, you've just touched on something you know about uh, meritocracy or or, you know the idea of meritocracy I've got lots to talk about that because again I was born I grew up in Singapore where um, you know with its faults it was it still is a meritocratic society um i would say to schools make yourselves relevant in this issue of discrimination um and systemic um racism you know because it has affected us historically Mm. it is affecting us now and will continue to affect us if we do not attempt to stop it if you don't take steps to stop it if as a school or as a senior leadership team or as educators we think we're doing well then do better if you think you're not doing well then do better if you think you've done enough well you do more and you do better because this thing doesn't stop it it can't it's a process there is no there's no end game here and we need to be on our toes because if we believe you are in a safe space there will be something else that will make it unsafe so that's why i talk about strategy i talk about preempting i talk about thinking well into the future what is the outcome what is the aim that we want here so what are the steps that we need to, to take collectively absolutely and again i love the i love how you use the word collective i use collaboration but collective is equally as powerful collectively moving forward as a as a, as a fraternity of educators 
as, as a brotherhood and sisterhood of educators moving forward to try and create something that is self-sustainable in the future and not only that recognizes people based on their abilities and talents which i think is really 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 important and an inclusive forum it gives i think i think you know when you see a diverse staff cohort that permeates into how we interact with our students and how staff interact with one another. I worked in mm -hmm. schools that are predominantly white before. I worked in schools that are predominantly, um, you know, diverse as well. I think it's nice to have a blend of different cultures because our students come from a blend of different cultures. Our society is made up of a blend of different cultures. The, the city that I live in, Peterborough, we've got over 50 nationalities. So we're preparing children for the wider world as well as preparing yeah. ourselves to live in, socialise these yeah. children into the wider world. Yeah, um, I, and you're right. And I'm, I'm, you know, as in the slide as well, you talked about um, the schools that, that you were in and one particular school that, um, you know, I, I taught in and I was a senior leader there as well. We had 66 different languages, 66. Wow. You know, um, because we were quite close to, to Heathrow as well, uh, we had, um, you know, uh, there was a lot of social mobility in terms of asylum seekers and refugees, but we also served the traveller community. And, um, you know, how, how much more diverse can you be? But even then, there were problems. I mean, we did try our best. And in fact, you know how we are judged on our progress and success is all about numbers yes. well our schools our school did not do well but can you imagine when you have children from 66 different nationalities and backgrounds most of them do not speak english when they come to us mid-year in year four you know how can you ever show progress and how can you ever show that attainment as well anyway that's for that's for another conversation because i as you can tell i'm passionate about so many different things you know and if only i can i have a magic wand and I can change the world today I would do it uh, but I know that that you know even with all our collective effort it is going to take a lifetime if not even more but we need to start somewhere and we start today we start now if you're listening to this wherever you are you know start thinking and start and start thinking how in your own way and you might not feel empowered enough but just by thinking about it and changing just one thing in your classroom if you're a class teacher you've impacted you know at least 30 lives you multiply that by 10 20 30 and and then you get that collective um Shreve, I'm so sorry can I touch on something that I think is is really important just in case we miss it and what I propose because we are limited by time is perhaps you and I um you know may write a blog about this because there's so many questions that people have asked us that I feel we really need to give them not the answers I do not have the answers any answers I give is all through uh speaking to others research reading and they are mainly proposals they're not answers I do not you know say that I am an expert in anything I am here just like you and everyone else to learn but if it helps people think um, and I, I think that'd be well worth it. Um, so are you happy for me to just to talk about something? Of course, absolutely, absolutely, of course. Because I belong to a group and we haven't launched it yet and we are working towards, towards all of us, I'm sure all of us will feel passionate about this, is, um, you know, how to make our society and our schools anti-racist. So we are educators for anti-racism. And these are the things that we've been talking about because you asked me yesterday, I think, um, you know, could, could I propose some solutions for the future? And again, these are proposals. These are not answers. You know, you were brilliant when you touched that. There needs to be a collective effort and strategy. Mm -hmm. I think there has to be changes in our national agenda and our policies and our 
policing, you know, in, in terms of police force, how we profile people on wage discrepancies. Uh, what people can do is keep voicing how unhappy you are with all these things. Uh, sign petitions, they're out there, search for them. Um, there's a wonderful petition for introducing the ethnicity pay gap reporting, because right now there is no legal commitment to report, um, you know, ethnic pay gap. Now we need to do it for gender, you know, we, we've done it for gender or we're starting to do it for gender, but there's, there's nothing in there for ethnicity. And I think that's important because again, only when you see the wound, then you can do something about it. Absolutely. You know? yes. uh, read, watch, listen, example, listen to yourself because you're, you're a great, um, you know, blogger and now you've got a new platform as well. I would give another example of Hannah Wilson's Fast Forward Diversity. Uh, it's on her pinned tweet, go on there. There needs to be proper education about these issues, not just, and I talked about this, plasters on a wound, because the wounds will open again and again and again. You know, it needs to be really well thought of strategy. We really need to think about the desired impact and outcome. Um, we can start the ball rolling in our school by discussing with staff about all these issues. Um, start small, or perhaps you need to start large, depending on your context, you know. But I think before you can even start anything in school, you need to ask yourself what role do governors play and is the governing board diverse enough mm. because if it's not you might want to make changes at your level in your organization but it will not make much of a difference or an impact because you are accountable to people who employ you and those employers must be willing to listen be willing to understand and be willing to accept um, i'd say keep talking but also keep Acting. I'm not talking about acting as in Hollywood. I'm talking about keep making those actions, those small steps, those large steps. Uh, bring your local community into this and talk to them. You know, decide for yourselves whose cultural capital will you promote in your school and yeah. how will this enable learning uh, to flourish, really. Um, and one important thing, and this lovely lady will never forgive me because she actually um, leads the um, anti-racism, educators for anti-racism. One thing that she's passionate about is about representation at any meetings, conferences and events that you are organizing. You know, put that at the forefront of your thought. And it's not just about BAME or racism, do you have the balance of gender? Do we have the balance of voices and expertise? Are you just putting the same people on the same platform over and over again? Because what does it say to our BAME leaders and educators that they're not welcome? Because if you don't invite them there, that's how they would feel. That's how I would feel. Um, the messages that you give from the moment you design an event, you know, is pretty important because that must be part of your aim at the very forefront of what you do. Mm. So I know I've, I've, I've just lectured you for about four minutes and I'm so sorry, but this is just something that I think is so important that we really need to think about. No, there's no need for apologies. Absolutely enlightening. We do need to continue having these deep conversations, questions within ourselves, reflecting within ourselves, challenging our own biases. It's really, really important. And that can only happen by prolonging conversation. We can't have this heat and refreeze uh, phase that we always have in education. We'll pick up a debate and then with our platform privilege, we'll heat it for a while and we'll stick it back in the freezer and just forget about it. And it just gathers more and more ice and then we pull it back out when we need to. This needs to be a regular, sustained conversation about inequalities, about racism, about how we can move people forward within our education system to help society progress as well. So you're absolutely correct. No lecturing at all. That was really, really important. <laughs> 
oh, when you get me on my soapbox, my poor family, they are, honestly, I think uh, most of them, they just put um, earplugs in or headphones on when I start. And they're like, not again. Um, because this has been, this has not been recent. What I have said, I have said since my children were young and my youngest is going to be 20. You know, um, it, it, I have seen inequality in this country with my own eyes. When I first arrived, um, I wasn't that young. I was, I was actually in my early 20s. Um, I was gobsmacked. Um, you must understand, I come from safe, quite advanced Singapore, <laughs> you know, and I landed in Manchester and drove through estates that I have never seen. You know, I had an idea of what England could and would be because, of course, I've read the books, post-colonial histories and wonderful stories, and what I saw wasn't what I expected. Mm. And through the years, in my gut, I know this is not right. You know, and we're not only talking about racism, we're talking about poverty, um, you know, economic deprivation, we're talking about discrimination, and day after day, I do not want this kind of world for my children. It might be a little bit too late, I'm always hopeful and optimistic for my children, but it cannot be like this for their children and mm. so on and so forth you've touched on that sustainability mm. we cannot still be sleepwalking this was a term i heard actually yesterday in a podcast brilliant podcast you know we cannot be sleepwalking anymore we cannot be stuck anymore we need to move on absolutely absolutely Sharif, i'm just very conscious of time have you got a final message for our audience a final message um i think keep 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 thinking keep talking but don't allow the talk to just be talk um, go back to your organizations and put on those lenses you know in fact put on the binoculars and put on the mic whatever whatever kind of lens that you need to be able to see what your organization actually stands for is it right now you may not feel empowered enough to have those conversations with leaders but you can start in the classroom um, you can start with another colleague you can start with two you can start with a middle leader and a senior leader and and if you feel stuck, and this is in response to, to a very good question we did not even touch on, if you think that the values are wrong, leave, mm. you know, because you need, you need to nourish yourself. You cannot be in that position where you feel stuck and hurt and diminished. You must go somewhere else to be able to find yourself and make a difference. That organization isn't ready yet for someone like you. I think that's my message. Absolutely. Thank you very much, Sharifa. I'm almost certain there'll be a second part to this podcast at one stage in the future where we, dis <laughs> we discuss progress. But thank you so, so much for being a guest. And uh, yeah, um, I'm almost certain there'll be an opportunity for a, a second podcast from between us. But we could talk for hours, couldn't we? Oh, we could, we could. I could talk for days. And, and you're just such a lovely, you know, authentic person to speak to. You make it easy. You really do make it easy for, for anyone, really. So thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Bless you. Thank you very much for your time. Bye, Shweb. Bye. Take care.